Welcome to Podrick the Podcast, the incremental podcast that adds even more value. This is our newest series, We're All Mad Here. The idea behind our podcast series is to sit with some of the most influential people in our industry. People from various sides representing different roles to talk about how the space has evolved, demystify misconceptions the general audience might have, and address issues that have more recently come to light. In this interview, we are grateful to have Ernestina Jakova from Voodoo as our guest. Hope you'll enjoy listening to our podcast. Hey, Ernestina, uh, really nice uh, to catch up with you again. Um, to anyone listening to this, uh, we have a little bit of a history as well. We work together. Yeah. Uh, hi, Maura. Really nice to see you virtually. Uh, and thank you so much for um, having me here. It's um, um, really happy to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's like we worked together some time ago and it's great to, um, yeah, like see each other from time to time in the different uh, industry events and every, yeah, it's really nice. Cool. You want to give a, like an introduction yourself and also background to how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, so um, I am, um, I have been in Berlin for the last um, eight years, almost. Um, so being here and there, like working in different companies uh, in ad tech. Um, and um, my first actually job um, in the industry was with Uplift in 2016. Uh, and I ended up there by pure accident. Like I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. Um, but um, things went really nice. I really enjoyed um, the industry, people. Everything. I, I was really interested in um, all the topics around user acquisition. I found this world very like mesmerizing. So I uh, decided to continue my career in that, um, uh, in that direction. Uh, but like, to be fair, I always wanted to work in marketing since um, I was at university. I just didn't expect that I would do like mobile marketing. I didn't know what kind of, I didn't have the right impression or the, like the right idea uh, what that would be in the future. Yeah, I think no one really expects to enter this world, but we all get duped into it somehow and then we love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you always get this very classical traditional idea, idea of marketing in university and you think that you will be a brand manager, basically. I think that's the, the closest to what they present. Um, but yeah, I think uh, mobile marketing is cooler. <laughs> it's kind of related to one of the questions that uh, we prepped for the series. Um, is marketing an art or a science? Uh, I think I might give a very obvious answer, but I think it's like in between, uh, between the art and, and the science, because it does require a certain level of uh, creativity. It could be considered in this classical way of um, really being creative on how you present things, um, how they look there, uh, that, what's the messaging, what's like the overall wrap up, but it could also be a creative way to um, look into your data or um, the, the campaign setup, the testing um, that you're doing, um, challenging best practices, etc. cetera. Um, but like in, in our case, like in my case, um, mobile marketing, um, it's also really big part of science. So I'm looking at numbers all day long. Um, and that's 
really, really like important part of the job. So I, one can't go without the other, basically. <laughs> yeah, I would consider myself also a stats junkie and having worked with you, Rosina, I know that you are a stats junkie as well. You love Excel. Uh, I love a lot of, yeah, I had actually a really big problem with um, trying to distance myself from having uh, a perfect scenario, perfect data, where you could really um, uh, base all your decisions and to learn how to operate in ambiguity and knowing that not always you would have perfect data. There will be always some limitations and you need to make a decision based on what you're currently having available. So that was a journey that I had to go through. And I sometimes I, I guess I still um, get too much down the rabbit hole of like data and what's that and where it came from. And yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling very well. Um, and again, so you've been in this space for eight years now. What would you advise? Like what piece of advice would you give of someone entering this space? Uh, I like one piece of advice that it again might sound very cliche and I think it's relevant for anyone that is starting something new is um, just not being afraid of making mistakes um, uh, because you know they, they say that if you never made a mistake then you never tried anything new um, and our especially in mobile marketing I think and just um, digital marketing in general things are moving so fast and there's always something new that you might not know about or how to do it or set it up etc you need to learn it and um, if you don't sometimes to understand something you really need to break it um, to really get to the bottom of it and really understand what's the concept, how it works. And this could only help you to be um, to, to become better. So of course, very important, learn from your mistakes, not just make them. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, like when I was starting, I remember that, I mean, still is the case. I was so afraid of not making a mistake. I wanted everything to be perfect. And sometimes I would just end up spending so much time on worrying and making sure that I don't make a mistake that I don't make any action and that leads to nothing right if you just sit there thinking oh I, what should be the setup how should i do it is this correct is not correct then you don't go to any conclusion but if you act on it if you're fast then you learn faster as well um, and you basically learn from your own mistakes the best way that's the best way compared to if someone will be teaching you or showing you things i mean at least that's my uh, no i think that's a good tip and by the way I, I, I think it's a good tip, not just for entering this industry. I think it's a good tip for entering adulthood <laughs> in general. Um, now, last <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, you know, last year there's been a couple of changes in the industry. One of the biggest ones being what we call the deprecation of the IDFA. Um, you mentioned earlier that you you know in the past were hoping for the perfect set of data, which now is definitely not the case. How did you adapt to this new reality? Um, yeah, so um, it's, uh, I am really happy that I had to go through this problem of, um, you know, learning how to navigate without the perfect data earlier. So now it's, I'm taking this a little bit easier. Um, but like adapting, I think it's still something that's on the go, like in process. And I, I guess that's for the majority of the, of the companies. Um, we don't have the perfect answer or solution for really measuring everything. And it's like a limitation that it's for everyone at least. 
Um, and um, it's true that a lot of like other people that are so um, used to getting a very detailed data, um, granular, uh, in a granular detail, um, they do have a hard time with that. I mean, me too. But what I'm trying to basically, uh, how I'm approaching it is basically looking on the higher uh, level and um, just trying to also make some judgments um, with a gut feeling. <laughs> Although this is like against any uh, proper performance marketing, I guess, best practice. But sometimes um, it, it, it does work well. And um, focusing on blended uh, metrics, just taking it as an overall. Um, but it is it is difficult, uh, and um, uh, it's very difficult to uh, optimize channels when you don't have the full visibility. Um, currently, my strategy, for instance, um, is just uh, trying to limit this uh, uncertainty by um, having um, only one or the, in like the most two uh, partners um, that um, will be the so-called self-attributing uh, networks and then the rest um, um, with a probabilistic attribution. So at least this kind of limits and gives some direction of what's coming from where. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's what it is and we need to uh, find a way to work with it. I am sure that I think the industry will evolve um, and there'll be some changes, but for now it is where it is. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned about gut feeling and uh, to be fair, you know, um, I think uh, there's a quote that says that like when you have 10,000 hours in anything, you develop mastery in it. And I did the math, by the way, just uh, while you were talking, <laughs> eight years in the industry means that you have 16,000 hours of experience. So gut feeling does make sense when you have experience because you do know what to do. You do know what works. You do know what doesn't work. You also know what makes sense and what just doesn't make sense. And I would say even now, like with a little bit of blindness when it comes to the attribution data, yeah, it's kind of mm -hmm. like uh, makes sense what you answered. All right. Um, you know, if, if you basically um, like taking the whole idea of fade deprecation and so on, we've seen at least a lot of companies trying new mediums and new channels. Um, have you taken a similar strategy? You know, are you seeing new channels or even new mediums becoming more appealing for growth beyond the usual suspects? Um, I have to say I'm really traditional on that end. Um, and um, I did see um, a, a hype around uh, Apple search ads. And a lot of people um, in the industry are starting to investing more time and efforts to growing this channel, um, which of course it's something we, a lot, some people expected. Um, but um, I, even though um, the uh, IDFA is no longer there and a lot of people try to go different directions, I actually uh, am still uh, very much into um, social channels and specifically Facebook. Um, and um, so far, uh, to be honest, seeing really um, good performance coming from this channel. And um, even though a lot of people thought that um, uh, this will be a big problem for social channels, specifically uh, Facebook. I still think that um, they're um, 
it is one of the biggest and uh, uh, best performing channels uh, within our industry. It's just because um, social platforms, they have so many data points on their users um, and they, they know us better than we know each other uh, ourselves. So um, this is something that um, is um, really crucial for the algorithms and they still are able to uh, find um, valuable users for you. It's just a matter of attribution at the end of the day. Um, uh, and at first for now, it didn't really seem to be affecting that much, but of course it really depends on what kind of product you're working on. Um, exactly. And, um, yeah, it will. It, this really differs from industry to industry, and within the industry, from a game to a game. Uh, I mean, talking about the gaming, um, and it won't always work for everyone. Um, uh, I think, for in, uh, for instance, in my case, it's more of an. I guess could be considered more of an exception, even. Yeah, you know, it's like one of the things we've seen on the macro view from like Facebook specifically or social in general, is that mm -hmm. the like the uh, the value the conversions the like the marketing return are still there but what we also see is that some companies like basically are not attributing to facebook the same level of conversions they used to attribute to facebook when it had access to ydfa um, I also see that for uh, gaming and specifically for casual or hyper casual, it's as if that the um, IDFA deprecation wasn't such a big enough, such a big uh, impact on your ability to actually track, attribute, uh, and especially when it comes to calculating the blended returns as well. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I think a lot of people in the industry thought that hyper casual genre will be uh, hit the hardest. Uh, after the changes, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And I think there are several factors that contribute to that. First of all, um, you could see and like you return very quickly. Um, and that's a really big advantage compared to other uh, games that are having a way longer payback period. And they come start, see, start normally seeing first revenue coming after at least a week. Um, in hyper casual, it's like day zero, you already more or less know if you're on the right track, um, which is, yeah, <laughs> um, really cool. And then another thing, um, and then you could, this allows you to make very quick decisions and changes. And then another thing is that um, a lot of the hyper casual um, companies, I think they're working with um, video networks that um, still are using now probabilistic attribution. Mm -hmm. um, which really allows them to, um, yeah, to have a better view of uh, the performance. And I don't like that's my observation. But hypercasual doesn't always um, utilize that much uh, social channels such as um, Facebook and Google Ads. Um, maybe like TikTok uh, would be big for them. Um, but um, it's true. We uh, in, in in our case, we're also not really able to attribute correctly uh, Facebook, and that's like um, something that, as a UI manager, you need to know and be comfortable that a channel that you're working on paper, like on on the graph, um, might not look well or actually might look terrible. But in reality, uh, that's not the case. And that's the 
uh, the challenging part. Let's talk pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the pandemic apparently brought a lot of non-gamers to gaming. And uh, basically, like, the question is, like, how did you, like, uh, do you see, like, the non-gamers, how do they differ from gamers? And have they actually influenced the games, features uh, your company is developing, but basically seeing this audiences for the first time? Yeah, that's a good one. Like, I have um, this impression that when you talk to someone outside of the industry, or even sometimes within the industry about um, a gamer, the, I don't know, maybe, yeah, you tell me what you think about it. But like, people think of a very hardcore gamer with a gaming chair, gaming laptop, like headset, like locked in a room that play all night longer in a way. Um, um, and a lot of people don't really identify themselves as gamer, even though gamers, even though they're actually spending a lot of time within any like um, a mobile game. Um, and uh, interesting segments are, I think, moms. Um, and um, they, they, there was also like some research around it. Um, I don't remember who did it, but. Um, they are very, um, they could be a very strong and uh, loyal uh, user base. Uh, but me personally, what I'm observing is um, older user, user base uh, coming, especially in uh, like more globally, like in more um, tier two or three, depending how you consider markets, because for US that has always been the case, but like 50 plus, <laughs> um, even 60. Uh, five plus um, are very um, engaged um, uh, users actually for specific uh, game types of course it, it would always depends on um, what is the game that uh, you're promoting um, but yeah I feel, I feel there is a big need of uh, these brain games or logical thinking games within this audience because um, it does help them uh, train their thinking, their brain, keeps their brain fresh. So that's like the main motivation, um, uh, one of the main motivations they have, uh, a part of just uh, having fun and passing the time. Cool. Going back to uh, the marketing side of things, so obviously as incremental, I would like to ask you, how do you define incrementality in marketing? And do you think that incrementality is the holy grail in terms of marketing results? Uh, in, yeah, incrementality is basically, you know, um, uh, understanding um, how much of an uplift um, a new channel that you plug in is bringing you so in a way you're understanding what's the overlap between all the channels that you're running and um i think it's inevitable to especially like depending on the scale of course um but it's really inevitable to have an overlap between the channels and um that has been one of the challenges i think in the industry actually really measuring it and deciding which one to cut and which one to uh, grow based also on uh, incrementality metrics. And I think like that's like the next uh, uh, level of uh, the fine UA. <laughs> and um, it's, it's like for, 
for companies and advertisers that have the capabilities to actually accumulate and all the logistics and data science teams to to really dig into it at least um that's my uh, impression um and at the moment i haven't been working um within with, like haven't been experimenting and testing incrementality yet we also made a list because again you and i have been in the industry for a little bit of time and there's a lot of you know uh, buzzwords flying around so we made a list of buzzwords and i wanted yeah. to kind of get your opinion if you think something something is an actual trend people should be looking into or if it's just industry typical bs um google id deprecation i think it's an actual trend okay uh, yeah i i think um well so far uh, google has been following uh, apple steps um and overall the questions that has that have been raised around user privacy etc um i think they will lead to also google making the yeah the step of depreciating the id multi-touch attribution uh i would love uh, that <laughs> this would happen but i think with the depreciations of the advertising ids maybe that would be even more difficult so i wouldn't really uh, have high hopes for it cross-platform advertising um yeah i've been hearing a lot about this connected tv etc um it's hard to define if it's not a real thing or not like if this will really grow and have a mass adoption i would still say that it most likely will be more niche than super massive nft so that's my opinion now. <laughs> nft so um actually this is uh, the base of a block it, it, it could be used in blockchain games right um for uh, characters uh, or just items um but because of all this hype around blockchain and uh it's hard to really um say if it's like a real thing i'm, I'm a bit skeptical so yeah hard to say about this one Okay, well, the next one might be harder, the metaverse. I, I, I believe that's a real thing. Um, and maybe like just as an idea, um, I, maybe it won't be in a year or two, it might be many years from now, uh, might not be even Facebook that goes into it. Yeah, just not the, 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 the concrete setup. But I do believe that in the future, there will be something like that. And we're going in that direction. Okay, and the last one, media mix modeling. Media mix modeling. Uh, I'm skeptical about this as well. Uh, Rodestina, what random fact do you want to share uh, for our listeners? Other than the fact that you are a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm the most skeptical person in the room. <laughs> I guess that's like the ran like a really random fact, <laughs> but I think people that listened so far and reached to this question most likely um, end up to having this this uh, uh, conclusion. 
And I think another random question or a random fact about you would be, how many languages do you speak? Oh, actually, well, I can I can really um, uh, speculate on this. I only speak three languages, so English, Bulgarian, and um, Spanish. But I can um, really I can talk um, with Serbian people, Croatian, uh, Russian, uh, and uh, Macedonian. I think like the whole Balkan area, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and I think. Yeah, I think once when we had an occasion where uh, you had a conversation with someone and you were both talking different language, but you understood each other fluently, was one of the most random moments I've experienced uh, together. Yeah, right. Uh, um, and the fun fact that was that we were even making jokes and we could understand the jokes. <laughs> so that was uh, cool. <laughs> a next level. Cool. Radestina, uh, if, yeah. people, if people want to find you or follow you digitally, ideally not, uh, not stalking, uh, where can they find you? Uh, on LinkedIn, I guess, uh, where everyone is. Radestina Jakuba. So that's my name. Um, but that, that's for now. I guess if there is anything else, um, I will share there. So thank you so much for your uh, time uh, today. It was a pleasure catching up again. And it's been a while since we've... Actually, it's not that been like... I think we saw each other in a conference like two months ago. So it hasn't been that. Yeah, it was in a conference. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, thanks again so much for the invitation. Um,